listening to Robert Ray Volts Incendiary Radio. I'm your host, guest host, Frederick C. Blackburn. I'd like to welcome everyone back to the show. Mr. Robert uh, had some things he had to take care of, and he asked me if I could take the show tonight. And I said, sure, I'll put on my tap dancing shoes and grab my book of 101 card tricks, and we'll be all set. So anyway, uh, just... Like before, please, 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 if you still have resource, please donate to uh, RBN. Keep shows like this on the air. And also, please support the RBN sponsors. Uh, so if you want to call into the show, you can call in at 512-248-8252. That's 512-248-8252 or toll-free 800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. Now, you know, before the break, we were talking about uh, doing this show around the 1997 uh, uh, film Wag the Dog. And I was talking about, you know, H.G. Uh, Wells' description of basically he was describing communism, you know, the Marxist uh, plan to take over the world and destroy all existing civilization and then build a new civilization. And this is that Jewish utopia. So, you know, he wrote War of the Worlds in 1898, and it just so happens that in 1896, so between the 1895 time machine and the 1898 War of the Worlds, you had Theodore Herzl writing The Jewish State in 1896. This was basically the Zionist manifesto uh, of you know, not only establishing a Jewish state in Palestine, but to use that to control the world for the House of Rothschild, and this is you know the two parts of that that you know that original battle flag of the First World Zionist Congress, which just happened to be in 1897, the next year, uh, they you know actually had the Rothschild lion on it. Right. They took that off, and also the seven stars of the Kabbalah and that symbolism. So they took that off, stripped it down to just – oh, and also the hexagram was gold in the original battle flag instead of the blue like it is now. But, you know, one of the symbols is, you know, the Jews, the alphas, you know, the hexagram. That's the you know, the symbol of the man perfected, the God-man in their mythology. Uh, on the white field, meaning between the two rivers, being the Nile and the Euphrates, this is the greater Israel agenda, right, that they talk about. And that you also have that white on the other sides of the river, and that's symbolizing that the Jews will control the whole world, and as part of it, they're going to have their revenge on Amalek. You know, that uh, the white Christian Europeans are considered Amalek in the system and they have to be destroyed. So you look at, you know, H.G. Wells' warning in 1898 about this, you know, enemy that's coming that has no sympathy, cool, calculated, and just uh, ruthless, the intransigent 
adversary that wants you killed or enslaved. He doesn't want to make treaty. He doesn't want to assimilate. He just wants you gone so they can have your stuff. You know, that warning, you know, was right before the Bolshevik Revolution. And so one of the things that I was never told was that, you know, H.G. Wells and uh, Aldous Huxley and George Orwell were writing their respective works uh, of things to come by H.G. Wells, uh, 1984 by Orwell, and Brave New World by Aldous Huxley were basically their interpretations of this World Zionist Congress and the uh, protocols of the elders of Zion that would be released in 1903. But, you know, this Zionist system, you know, they studied it to say, yeah, this is what it means, and that projecting it on is, you know, basically what they came up with. And then you see in 1923 the Frankfurt School getting established to basically try to figure out why everything didn't collapse like dominoes during the Bolshevik Revolution, because that was the original plan that all of Europe was just going to fall to communism because of this infiltration of the House of Rothschild into their banking systems, and that lets you and them fight uh, scenario, you know, that they have infiltrated all the houses and all the countries and turning them against each other, and the whole idea was it was going to completely destroy Western civilization, and then the great Soviet was going to come up from the ashes. And when that didn't happen, the Frankfurt School was established in Germany. And yeah, so this idea of studying the Gentiles, you know, I say, you know, uh, when you look at, you know, Orwell's warning, you know, I go back to, yeah, well, when you look at all those great psychologists, students of Sigmund Freud, who were doing research on American college students, you know, basically they were experimenting on the goyim. All these guys were Jewish. They were hardcore Zionists. They were hardcore Talmudists. And I'll go to back to the first, you know, when this, you know, of course, Pavlov with his circle and ellipse uh, experiments on dogs that basically the dog could be driven insane, healthy, happy, loving dogs driven insane without a hand laid to them just by not being able to give the right answer, right? That they were so into pleasing the authority person, the alpha male or alpha person, you know, that if they couldn't get the right answer, they would just shut down. And this is, you know, the whole thing of the beat generation. We're just going to use critical theory against these Europeans that, you know, we're always going to be kvetching about everything. We're always going to be bringing up the opposite, and it's going to exhaust them. And this is the idea of the beat generation. It's just, you know, everything is constant Marxist criticism. You know, it's that... Uh, critical theory. Uh, then, you know, Stanley Milgram's uh, defer to authority dominance experiments, uh, Solomon Ash's group conformity, and, you know, 
that you have a completely compromised authority group and a compromised peer group that's lying to you. And if there's no truth allowed to enter the equation, he projected he could get group conformity out of 74% of the test subjects. But if you had one truth advocate in the mix anywhere, that number would plummet from 74% to 5%. And this is why they, you know, the communists are so draconian that they have to control the narrative and they have to shut down anybody that is telling the truth because just one truth voice out there is like giving away the magician's trick. It ought, the, the illusion disappears. The phantasm disappears, and you see reality. This is like the emperor has no clothes. just takes that one child telling the truth for everybody to finally admit that, well, they're not really seeing. They were just going along with the group, but they actually see the truth as well. Right Then Martin Seligman, with his learned helplessness, again, torturing you know, dogs uh, to just give up. It's that idea of, you know, can we completely exhaust you so that you just give up and have a learned helplessness? And then the Stanford prison experiment with Philip Zimbardo, otherwise known as the Lucifer effect, is, you know, can you manipulate people to be sadistic and masochistic you know and you know the the prison guards and the prisoners right and this was what he was going for in that experiment and the uh it's interesting you know uh, his role in all of that. And then, of course, Jane Elliott with her blue eyes, brown eyes study, which we are seeing daily with all of this anti-whiteism. It's like, you know, now the Jane Elliott experiment is about white people and non-white people. White people are bad. Non-white people are good, right? And so you can just see Orwell's uh Warning in these people have been studying us. They are at war with us. Uh, they have always been at war with us and they want us gone and they're figuring out all these tricks to use on us, right? Um, so, you know, when you look at the timeline after that, you know, 1932, Aldous Huxley was published in Brave New World and that same year, Michael Higger was publishing the Jewish Utopia dedicated to the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, the symbol of the Jewish Utopia, right? And so this this idea of this Zabbatean Francus, we're going to win through evil because the ends justify the means. So we're completely good on what we have to do to bring in this Jewish utopia and finally destroy our age-old adversary, the white European, especially the white European Christian community. And then um, it's interesting that in 18, I mean, 1932, that H.G. Wells would publish Work, Wealth, and Happiness of Mankind, uh, where he's trying to basically lay the groundwork for a you know, global economy-type uh, system. And that same year, 1932, outspoken critic of this system, this Marxist-communist system, Charles Lindbergh, 
would have his infant son kidnapped and murdered and a German blamed for it, but it most likely was the uh, Jewish mafia, especially the Purple Gang, because of his criticism of Zionism and the Palestine Project, right? Uh, 1933 is when H.G. Wells would write his uh, Shape of Things to Come, and one of the things I noticed last time I was looking at that film is how fake and gay the you know the Freemasons the you know the uh, brothers of the wing or whatever the modern world state guys are, and you compare it to the Cheka guys in their black leather S and M outfits, right? And you you know these fetish clubs of these Jewish homosexuals. It's all of this S and M black leather stuff. And then you look at what the uh, you know the New World Order guys look like in the H.G. Wells, and it's this you know real fake and gay Cheka type outfit from these guys that they're coming in, jumping out of the airplanes, and going to kill everybody, you know, and for this great order that they're coming up with. And so I just noticed that, uh, and then you know the guys from the World Economic Forum, like Klaus Schwab, you know, they're all these homosexual Jewish guys, <laughs> like Noah Harari, you know, it's just, and they're into this fetish gear. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting that H.G. Uh, Wells pointed that out, and then uh, you know you jump forward, and you see people like Leo Strauss. Uh, who was one of those people that left from the Frankfurt School, came to America to, you know, uh, do his philosophy of a Talmudic overlay of, you know, Western philosophies, et cetera. And he was a big proponent of the noble lie. And uh, he was a big influencer on the people that would go on to form the project for the new American century, which basically ran the wag the dog of 9-11. And I'm talking about people like Paul Wolfowitz, Richard Pearl, Irving and Bill Crystal, Douglas Fife. You know, all of those peanut guys were all about this noble lie, the ends justify the means. And they are just above good and evil, just like the people in the Wag the Dog film, that they're just these amoral, I have a job to do, I'll do what I need to do to get it done type of attitude. And you know, Leo Strauss was just uh, one of the big Jewish philosophers of these type systems that would then influence people like Odin Yenin, who wrote the you know, uh, plan for Israel in the 80s, which called for the greater Israel and the balkanization of all the Arab states. And then you had uh, Richard Pearl's A Clean Break, uh, a new design for the realm or whatever. And then you had the PNAC group actually uh, doing the paper calling for a new Pearl Harbor uh, so that they can launch this agenda on you know, improving America's defenses or whatever. And the other aspect was you know, this idea of the boogeyman of Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. 
and then wag the dog. You know, you had to have the boogeyman. And you just to see how they used the bombing of the USS Cole to introduce in October 2000 this idea of these radical Muslim terrorists, Al-Qaeda, led by their leader, Osama bin Laden. And that's, you know, suddenly everybody knew who Osama bin Laden was and Al-Qaeda, and they're gunning for America because they saw it on TV. As Richard Nixon would say, you know, Americans don't believe anything until they see it on TV. And so you had this group that had carefully infiltrated all the levers of power so that when they carried out this operation, people like me that went to tell the truth would get blocked, (laughs) right? This is their way of keeping people from exposing what they did. And, uh, you know, one of the big things of the run-up to 9-11 was the person investigating the USS call was the guy uh, John O'Neill, who uh, was the expert on the Middle East situation. He knew the reality of who Osama bin Laden was when he was working with the CIA against the Russians and their database of operatives. And so, basically, you know, Al-Qaeda is the base, but, you know, he was the expert, and the whole time he was trying to investigate the USS Cole, he was being blocked by all the Jews at the U.S. State Department. And he kept complaining that led a lot to his resigning from the FBI uh, because he was not allowed to carry out a proper investigation. He knew it was Israel's Mossad doing it and doing a false flag just like they did at the King David bombing, the the whole uh, uh, Levon affair with Operation Susanna. You know, these people, their whole thing is false flags. The USS Liberty is another case. You know, false flag, we're going to blame it on Egypt to get World War III started. Um, And so he was, uh, you know, the expert on this. And it just so happens on 9-11, he takes a job for Larry Silverstein and Kroll Security and is in position to be killed by these psychopaths on 9-11, right? Uh, just this is the way they operate. So the, that idea, you know, in the Wag the Dog film is that if you ever try to expose any of this, we will kill you, and we're complete within our rights to kill you for this, you know? And it's that, you know, who has this license to kill people that are telling the truth uh, that are, you know, working for a system based on lies but this is what we have and uh, you know my personal experience in the run-up to 9-11 is i was developing the classes uh, for the technology they were using to spy on americans and in the process i saw what they were doing and this was in place and working before 9-11 and the only other telco that you know would collaborate or cooperate my story is you know Joseph Nacho of Quest telephone system where he was talking about you know 6 months before 911 the NSA approached them about taking part in this 
basically vacuuming up everything uh, operation. And he refused, and he went on to expose them, or tried to, but he got shut down. And then they came up with bogus insider trading uh, violations and sent him into a hole for several years, right? But the big thing was he was warning that this NSA stuff in cooperation with Unit 8200 in Israel, and that was what I was trying to prove when I got blacklisted in 2003, was that behind the NSA, there was another pipe going somewhere, and I was trying to prove that it was Israel, and Edward Snowden finally proved that in 2013, uh, and I was vindicated, but, you know, it's like a lot of good it did me, but, you know, at least, you know, I was on to what they were doing. And, again, uh, that, tell, you know, spine system was in place before 9-11 and was used against the 9-11 truth movement, you know, that they were, you know, filtering out all those buzzwords and would uh, basically go after early 9-11 truthers with that filtering type technology they're using uh, to basically you know, grade, sort, and call and look for potential car- targets. And that was what you know, uh, General Michael Hayden was talking about. It's like, you know, we make kill lists based on metadata, right? And, well, whose plan is General Michael Hayden working for? You know, was it the Constitutional Republic or the shadow industry, right? And, you know, since he's <laughs> been Hunter Biden's best friend and expert on laptops, we can sort of see, you know, where he stands. But, you know, he was one of those people put in place by Bill Clinton, who we now know was completely compromised by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. And so this is, you know, more of that ruthless nature of the slime mold that you know, they have all these people under their spells, right? And so, you know, going through this Wag the Dog film and just seeing how people were emotionally manipulated by the deceptions of all the lies, you know, that went along with it just to, you know, launch the Odin and plan to make the United States and Great Britain go in and balkanize, you know, the Middle East, take out the, you know, what they call the seven countries in five years plan. They're a bit behind schedule. And then bring all of those, you know, Muslims and you know, Arabs, Muslims uh, into Western countries to destroy them from within for the Kalergi plan. And then had all these NGO groups all set up, ready to go to start doing the human trafficking to flood Western countries with refugees and climate change refugees, this, that, and the other, right? And so you can see that, yeah, they, is like Orwell said, they had been planning this for a very long time. And, you know, people like myself, and, you know, there was the tribute earlier for John Kaminsky. You know, he was one of those early 9-11 truthers out there who paid the price, you know, that he was working for, you know, regular newspapers, and suddenly he printed the wrong story. And it's like, okay, you're on the out list now. You know, you're either with us or against us, as you know, W would say after 9-11. Um, so, 
when you know it's interesting that the wag the dog movie is uh i'll just read this it was a 1997 political satire black comedy film produced and directed by barry levinson starring dustin hoffman and robert de niro the film centers on a spin doctor and a hollywood producer who fabricate a war in albania to distract voters from a presidential sex scandal the screenplay by Hilary Henkin and uh, David Mamet was loosely adapted from Larry Benhart's 1993 novel American Hero. Uh, Wag the Dog was released one month before the news broke of the Clinton-Lewinsky sex scandal and the bombing of the Al-Shifa pharmaceutical factory in Sudan by the Clinton administration in August of 1998, which prompted the media to draw a comparison between the film and reality. Um, and it's interesting that uh, other people that were in the film will include Willie Nelson, who's the guy who's writing the emotional songs for them to use against the American public, and Woody Harrelson, who plays the, you know, he's supposed to be this war hero that they've created, but he's actually a psychopath criminal that was in a military prison under top security, and suddenly they're having to market him as a hero. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, that both of those actors after nine eleven took, yeah, they stuck a toe in nine eleven truth, and then they weren't nine eleven truthers anymore, but they continued to work. Uh, you know, just always wonder, you know, what would have happened to the careers of Woody Harrelson and Woody uh, Willie Nelson had they. You know, stuck to their guns like some of us did and said, you know, this you know, is wrong. We're being lied to. You know, seal frame buildings can't collapse. Cell phone calls don't happen that way. You don't have magic passports. Who benefits? Who had the motive? Who had the means? Who had the opportunity? Who benefits? You know, had they done that, would it have broken the Overton window spell or would they have been like many characters in the film? killed to keep them quiet and they would be given a you know hero's uh funeral of course but uh they would have to be taken out and you know make it look like an accident or suicide or whatever but yeah this is what murder incorporated did you know that they you know would kill people that got in the way of the agenda and make it look like anything they need it to look like and then they're inside people in the media would run the official story. And this is how the big lie, you know, uh, perpetuates. And it's interesting that during the occupation of France, or you could say the liberation of France, uh, they did a film called The uh, Occult Forces. And it was basically exposing Freemasonry for what it was, that it was a being used as a tool of the Jews to basically force France into a war against Germany, right? And this idea of the, the, you know, the role the Freemasons play in all these wars is very fascinating, terrifying when you start digging into it. But, you know, after the war... The director, the guy who just made a film, 
was charged with all of these you know, war crimes and was executed by hanging along you know, the same thing as the fate of the Nuremberg uh, people, right? So, you know, so this is the mindset of these people that they think they have a license to kill uh, based on their philosophy, that their mitzvahs say, well, you're in our way. And this is, you know, what that Wag the Dog film was all about. So anyway, I think we're getting ready to go into a break here. So you're listening to Ray Volt's Incendiary Radio, and I'm your guest host, Frederick C. Blackman. We'll be back after these messages. tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop-and-lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop-and-lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Go to RepublicBroadcasting.org. Smash that donate button like Russian peacekeepers smashing through the Azov neo-Nazi terrorists in the Donbass. I don't think you can explain politics without looking at Jewish power any more than you can explain physics without dealing with gravity. 9-11 was a jointly conducted covert operation that involved multiple states, the Saudis, the Israelis, and what you could call the deep state in the cool, United with States. anti-Semitic remarks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're jiggling juice, we used to say, yeah, the dancing Israelis. Uh, so even the Republicans now are compromising and they're pushing issues that are destructive to the white race. They would always say, like, are we just going to talk about this stuff on the radio? Like, what are we going to do about it? Either we force the democracy to work by actually getting the ballot access, getting the candidates, getting in office, getting our message out there to the people, or we expose just how undemocratic it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Here's some interesting news. 
due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest. People are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food, but the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3dbunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3dbunkers.com for more details or visit 3dbunkers.com. life but in this a little beautiful sound the other beautiful sound anyways but you are listening to robert Rayvolt's incendiary radio i'm your guest host frederick c blackburn appreciate everyone tuning in with us this evening and if you want to call in and tell me what you want to talk about you can call in at 512-248-8252 that's 512-248-8252 or toll free at 800 800- 313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. And as always, please, 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 if you still have resource, please donate to RBN. Keep this network on the air. Keep shows like this going. We have to keep exposing the big lies of this house of cards. So, Mr. Producer, could we have Mr. James in Vancouver, please? Mr. James, are you there, sir? Yes, sir, I am. Very good evening to you, sir. Greetings. There in North Kakalaki, am I right? That's right. On uh, Lumberjack Mountain. <coughs> sorry. Blackjack Mountain. Oh, sorry, yes, sir, Blackjack Mountain, right. <laughs> well, um, I uh, checked out uh, a um, fact which might interest you, and that is uh, George Orwell was Aldous Huxley's student at Eaton's 
So, uh, knowing the little bit I do about relationships between uh, English uh, students and their masters, as it were, they probably knew each other pretty well. So that um, I'm sure Huxley had a big influence on uh, George Orwell. Um, that, okay. Interestingly, um, in, yeah, go ahead. I was doing a deep dive on the Bride of Frankenstein, the second in the Frankenstein uh, Universal series. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you research uh, Dr. Pretorius, he's basically mm-hmm. the homosexual you know, Jewish professor that basically yes. uh, twinked, you know, uh, Dr. Frankenstein when he was at university, right? And so exactly. just this, you know, f- running theme of these homosexual Jews that are basically initiating, you know, these young men into this cult. And it's like, how long has this been going on? And so mm-hmm. that idea of, you know, uh, Huxley twinking George Orwell just seems to ring well, true. I, what do you think? I, I, I'm sure uh, there was some uh, hand-holding. I, I, I don't doubt that. Um, whether it went you know, too far, I don't know. But um, the, um, Now, in Germany, um, students are close to their professors as well. So, um, But again, I can't say exactly how close that is, but um, I don't know if you, when I went to university, we had professors like that um, who walk in the halls and uh, looking to make friends and stuff like that, but um, I was a very much of a lone, um, a loner, so anybody who came near me, well, um, will betide them, but uh, you have to understand, and I've been listening to you, and I've been listening to lots of presenters on RBN, that when you get up, I was um, being an oligarch and, um, and hanging out with uh, these elites, that there's a sense of madness that creeps in <laughs> to their psyche. You see? Whether it's homosexuality or they just like snuffing people out, Right? <clears throat> this is sort of how it goes. So um, that would be something that you could... Um, I, I speak of um, um, the family of... Uh, the first family of England, right? I mean, um, I think uh, I ran into a lot of people who said things that I can't really repeat on the radio. So this idea of madness. What do you think? Oh, it was uh, the gate, uh, the Great Gatsby. It's yeah, well, rich people are just different than we are. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not the same, and uh, right. you know you just get that sense. But then you add the homosexual Jew element to it. It just totally, oh, yeah. it's like it's on steroids. So uh, anyway, got a few more callers on that. So what else you okay, want yeah. to ask tonight? No, no. Well, I think uh, I can get back to you on a later date with uh, some of my information. Uh, So you go ahead, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. 
Oh, just something in your hat. Uh, Somebody has uh, requested to uh, get an introduction to you, but I don't know how to do it. So if you could leave me contact, if you're interested, somebody that supposedly lives in Vancouver, sent me a request, but we can talk about it off air sometime. So thanks for calling. You you guys need 2,500 bucks right now, I bet, right? Uh, (laughs) I'll get back to it. Thanks. Thanks. Bye now. All right. Bye now. All right, Mr. Producer, can we have Wayne in Texas? Mr. Wayne, are you there, sir? Yeah, good evening, Frederick. Greetings. Yeah, hey, I I just um, wanted to call in because uh, I was interested in the way you started your show talking about what's happening to the, the white residents in your county. Uh, they seem to be getting uh, displaced, and a lot of the resources now at community colleges and all that are going to illegal aliens and, and other minorities. And uh, and it kind of reminded me <clears throat> of uh, some discussions I think you've had with some folks out of South Africa. I think you had one writer on your uh, your Saturday show, like maybe, oh, it was uh, three or four months ago. And then I see recently where you actually uh, talked with uh, Jan Lamprecht, that writer from South Africa. That is correct. Yes. And, uh, and I was kind of wondering what your, uh, how you see things after talking to them, because uh, in my mind, when you see uh, whites being disparaged, demeaned and uh, degraded in media and uh, colleges and other places with CRT and all that, you see us going down the same path as what they're going through in South Africa. Oh, I completely agree. And yeah, like I said, I used to be the biggest libtard to ever come out of North Carolina, but you know, nine eleven changed everything. But before that, I was totally convinced that Bono and all those guys were completely right about South Africa and the apartheid needed to go. And, you know, South Africa just needed to be like the new South was, you know, where we were just accepting of everybody and got rid. We were post-racial, right? And then you, uh, I met uh, somebody named Karen Smith that had a show called Radio Free South Africa, and she basically learned me on what the reality of the South African history was and the situation and you know, the realities of the ANC government and the EFF and people like that and Julius Malema uh, and that the yeah the kill the boar and it's just a genocide program and you realize that oh my gosh south africa is the template for what they're trying to do in every white nation and you just see what south africa you know has become in just that amount of time and now i see it here and watauga county wilts county and these appalachian mountains of western north carolina are just textbook 5g warfare with ngos out of state out of country money ill-gotten gains coming in to implement the Calergi plan and the Cloward Piven plan of, you know, we're going to flood you with illegals and non-whites, low IQ people from the third world, and at the same time, we're going to oversaturate all your your facilities, your utilities, your infrastructure, your welfare system, so they collapse, so then we can come in and set up a global police state. And this is what the Cloward Piven plan was all about. And when you see that running out in your own town, and when you try to point it out, you know, all the locals are so brainwashed, they're NPCs, and they're like, well, don't be racist, you know. Oh, don't be like your father, <laughs> you know, and all that. Oh, yeah. it's just, 
that just shows you how brainwashed this population has been through the schools, the media, and the churches. Yeah, I agree with you, because if you stand outside of the circle of uh, influence here and really watch what's going on, I mean, the conditioning and the propaganda is off the charts as far as as I'm concerned, because you're seeing white people killed in cold blood in places like Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, and the story is uh, maybe in the news a day and it's gone. Then they try to uh, uh, hide the identity of the perpetrator like they did in this uh, Georgia incident where this illegal alien... Uh, you know, killed that Georgia co-ed. In the first day or so, they were calling it uh, a non-citizen. You know, they wouldn't refer to him as illegal, but they did today, finally. So it's definitely a war on white people, and, and we're, uh, I'd say, in the beginning stages, nowhere near South Africa, but people should really take a look at uh, the website africancrisis.info. And that's right. I thought I saw your interview with uh, Jan Lamprecht, and uh you may recall I mentioned on that one show, I've been reading his stuff about 10, 15 years ago, and uh, he was, again, I think South Africa was right where we are right now, where, again, they were just the beginning stages of the farm attacks and the most hideous type of murders happening to farm families, uh, men dying on their feet trying to protect their families, and it was just hideous. So, uh, again, we got to get out of our little uh, Neverland here and really start on buckling down understanding this is serious. They're going for it all. And they, they want the eradication of the white race, as far as I'm concerned. That is their bit. So that's their end game. And you're right. You know, these uh, murders in the most horrific ways, you know, rape and torture people to death in South Africa, just like the Cheka was doing in Russia, just like the NKVD were doing in the you know, Ukraine during the Holodomor, just like the Young Turks and the Dome were doing in Armenia. You know, they are going to be a sadistic. And also, you know, the... Uh, communists in the Spanish Civil War. Just think how ruthless they were uh, against the nationalists. So, yeah, great call. Anything else before we let you go this evening? I'll let you go, and uh, thanks a lot. But uh, if you would, just keep uh, this as an ongoing theme, because I want to be able to I'd like to be able to share some of this stuff with other people who are clueless as to what's going on. But white folks better wake up and quick. Thanks, sir. That's right. Yeah, wake up, level up, party up, as we say at the Breakfast Club and at the Trading Post. All right, Mr. Producer, can we have Mr. Bobby in Florida, please? Mr. Bobby, you there, sir? Yes. Uh, uh, great caller there. I, I have a friend from South Africa, by the way. His, his grandfather was killed. He was a farmer. Um, I'm just blown away by your research and everything you've done. Every time you, you go into this subject, um, I just wonder, and I wonder what your take is on it, how what I've gone one step further. I've learned a lot of the stuff you're talking about. You would you could you agree or is it possible that the three Abrahamic religions are play a part of all of this as a controlled opposition as a tool to to uh, enslave everyone to brainwash everyone? I mean, I mean, it sure. I, I've come to that conclusion, and I was a Christian for a very long time, brought up in a Christian home. Now I see, we're looking out, looking into it. It's like I was brainwashed for a very long time, and a lot of people are. Every church you ever went to had an Israeli flag. They all spoke highly. You know, it was, it's you're worshiping a Jewish Christianity is part of Judaism. I mean, I don't know how you you take that apart. I don't know how you you know 
going back to Abraham who heard the voice of God and then went and did all these things and you know the rest of the story and I'll just let you I want to hear your I want to hear what you've got to say about that yeah it was interesting I was uh, on earlier this evening with Mr. Mike Gaddy and uh, Roundtable and it was a tribute show for John Kaminsky and there was a uh, one of the other members of the Roundtable you know, was talking about Kaminsky's work of this topic of you know what's you know the foundation of Abraham religions, you know, and you look at it has it been a net positive or a net negative for Western civilization? And then you, uh, my question is always, you know, is something organic or inorganic? And you know, when you look at the rise of Christianity, and then suddenly you have this thing called Islam that is using as the Jews calls it a broom to sweep Europe with, and that this, you know, uh, so I've always wondered about the, you know, the synthetic nature of, you know, Islam, and that it is currently being used to sweep Christianity out of uh, Europe and the United States, et cetera, and then at the same time, you see, you know, the infiltration of, like, the Jesuits. I know Mr. Uh, Robert Ravel likes to talk a lot about the Jesuit infiltration of the Catholic Church and then also uh, the infiltration of the Protestant churches through the Schofield Bible Project, right? And Cyrus Schofield, you know, basically rewriting, you know, all of Christianity to basically say, you are now Shabbat Goyim and, you know, to support the Zionist venture of Israel. And they are the chosen people, so you're now second-class status. And that's what I see in all these, you know, local churches. Like you said, they're all waving, you know, Israeli flags. They all pride themselves on how much money they raise to send to Israel. You know, children are starving in these Appalachian mountains, but they're sending the money, local money to Israel for the, you know, the Jews because of the Holocaust, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, you know, this level of infiltration of these churches and, you know, uh, and at the same time, the Christian churches, like in France, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these very old churches are being destroyed and nothing's being done. Think of all the churches that were destroyed in Canada and nobody did anything. It was on the big lie of, you know, supposedly the indigenous children were harmed at a uh, Catholic school, and it turned out to be completely bogus. But nevertheless, they had this huge terror campaign to burn down all the churches. So, uh, you know, the... Uh, Gaza, it, too. Gaza, look at Gaza. I mean, they're... And, and I show that to people who are Christians. Well, why, how come uh, they're doing this? Well, you don't understand this. Well, yeah, I do understand. Jews are killing Christians. Oh, well, see, that's God's plan. I mean, you see, it's almost like a Jedi trick. It's almost like a Jedi mind trick. It's like you can't get through to these people, no matter we can sit around and talk about it all the time. And right. some people in the truth community, too, like Tex Mars, love the guy. But then I couldn't understand all the things he knew and his books and all this script. But he still is a even Robert Rev, I know, no disrespect there, but they still have this faith in something that is very Jewish. I don't, I had to just get away from it. I had to just, and it wasn't easy to depart from it. And I'm not, something I'm proud of. I, I just, I did, I just did. And I, I feel free more. My mind is really free now. It seemed like my mind was in a cage with that faith, with that belief system. 
and knowing what I know now, looking at it, like, well, I don't know how you do, but when you just talk about the Zavitarians, it's very satanic, too. I mean, there are, the super elite do worship Satan, even though they do believe in, they or they use it for a fear weapon against each other, I don't know. But there are dark forces. I'm not an atheist, but I've left that to believe in creation. But I'll let you go. All right. Well, great call. Yeah, that's a a tough one, you know, on a Sunday night here. And uh, with my story, you know, (laughs) I always thought I was set up to fail because my, you know, people are familiar with my work. My mother's family is French Catholic, go back to the Pyrenees, you know, between France and Spain. That's where her people are from. And then my father, though, he is that North Carolina Baptist from these Appalachian Mountains, right? So Easter and Christmas were always very interesting in my house. Yeah, I got you. So anyway, well, thanks for the call. You have a good night. All right, so anybody else wants to call in, you can call in and tell me what you want to talk about at, get that number up again, 512-248-8252. That's 512-248-8252 or 800-313-9443, 1-800-313-9443. And uh, getting back to this, you know, uh, wag the dog thing I was talking about uh yeah, a couple of other movies came to mind while I was going through this Wag the Dog movie, and I kind of put Wag the Dog in the middle here. So in 1986, there was a very obscure film that came out called Riders of the Storm, and it was repackaged and relabeled as The American Way, and the... Uh, Wikipedia entry says the American Way, also known as Riders of the Storm, is a 1986 American science fiction comedy film directed by Morris Phillips and starring Dennis Hopper and Michael J. Pollard. And the plot is SNM TV is a pirate television station broadcasting from a B 29 plane by a group of disgruntled Vietnam War veterans. After many years, the crew considers accepting an offer of amnesty, broadcasting legitimately, and going back to normal lives. However, as the U.S. presidential campaign is starting, the captain of the plane decides S&M has lost has a one last job to do to prevent the pro-war conservative candidate from winning the election. Right, and so it's all about using psyops you know, and media. And, you know, it's a very dark film. Uh, and especially, you know, looking at back, you know, basically spoilers, you find out that the, uh, uh, or the, uh, no, uh, Margaret Thatcher type conservative strong woman is actually a transvestite and they you know reveal that at the end and destroy her chances of winning but you see this you know oh, even back then pushing the transvestite agenda and then of course 1997 wag the dog came out and then of course 2006 is when idiocracy came throughout And if you really want to look at, you know, okay, what is the Jewish utopia of the Cloward-Piven plan and the Kalergi plan for America, 
you know, it's idiocracy. And it says idiocracy is a 2006 American science fiction comedy film by Mike Judge and co-written by Judge and Ethan Cohen. The plot follows U.S. Army liber- uh, librarian Joe Bowers, who wakes up 500 years in the future after a botched government hibernation experiment to find himself in a dystopian society run by corporations where evaluation, uh, where evolution has made humanity stupid because the benefits of technology made it unnecessary for people to be intelligent and physically fit to survive. The cast includes Luke Wilson, Maya Rudolph, Dax Shepard, Terry Crude, uh, David Herman, Justin Long, Andrew Wilson, Brad Jordan. And the concept of idiocracy dates back to a concept judge envisioned in 1996. And he finished the script in, t- t- uh, in 2001, rewriting the film a year later. Um, so it's interesting that you know, that is that future. And if you look at the Jewish science fiction writers, and I was one of those kids that, you know, my mother and I loved to go to the theater together, my you know, other siblings, but my mom and I were the two science fiction you know, fanatics. So every science fiction movie that would come to the Liberty Theater in North Wilkesboro, you know, we would be there. My dad never had, uh, he, he knew the whole score with Hollywood and didn't want to support theater. So it's interesting that, you know, my mom and I used to go to all those Jewish, you know, movies and they're always dystopian, right? But anyway, you have been listening to Robert Rayvolt Saturday. I mean, excuse me, Sunday night incendiary radio. I'm tired. It's been a long day. But anyway, I appreciate everybody coming out tonight. And uh, Mr. Robert, I hope everything turns out well. And I appreciate you letting me stand in for you tonight. And until next time, I will see you all at the rendezvous. Carry on regardless. Carry on with words. Carry on with love. Carry on with children and a thin above I want my love, my joy, my love, my smile, my needs Not in the star signs or the palmer she brings I want my sun drenched windswept in grip but with kids Not in the next life I just want gold Carry on regardless Bronze is for the sake of the old But Evo Tea Club's on. original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea Comes from the only tree in the world That fungus does not grow on As a result, it naturally has antifungal Anti-infection, antiviral Antibacterial, anti-inflammation And anti-parasite properties So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.